introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Guys, this week is Paul Fillingham. Uh, Paul was interviewed before, uh, he was interviewed over a month ago. This was uh, before the George Floyd uh, murder. And it's, bef- you know, before we started opening up for uh, from the coronavirus and before we had another spike and all this kind of stuff. So uh, times have even changed within the last couple of weeks that I've interviewed him. Uh, I also, uh, to get a little lighthearted, I got the industry standard Roadcaster Pro from Rebecca Lowry, who was on this podcast quite a while, quite a ways back. Uh, she is with Romeo Music, but like I can do things that that uh, yeah, I can do things now that that uh, there's sound effects involved and uh, that oh, 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 um, I can add that kind of stuff into the oh, oh man, I shouldn't keep going like that. Uh, that's crazy. But uh, it's kind of fun, and hopefully I sound a little better. Maybe I sound a little different. Maybe I sound a little sexier. <laughs> uh, but if I don't, then um, then I want my money back. But uh, it is kind of a cool little thing. So if you're into the podcasting world, I highly recommend getting the Roadcaster Pro because it just works so much better. Uh, all that being said, uh, I'm going to cut this little intro short so that I can get to the interview today. I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, I hope everybody is wearing a mask. I hope everybody is taking this seriously, especially down here in Texas, because we opened up way too early. That's my opinion. Everybody have a great week and uh, stay cool. And I look forward to talking to some of you soon. Okay, well, I'm Paul Fillingham, and I am currently uh, one of the directors at Reagan High School. Uh, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. Um, my parents, uh, my mom was a school teacher my whole life, um, an amazing one at that. And my dad uh, was a cotton farmer and then he worked, uh, he's done a million different things through the years, but uh, he grew up in a farming community called New Home, Texas. Uh, neither one of them had any knowledge or anything to do with theater or anything in the performing arts at all. And so I was kind of, and I'm an only child uh, and they, you know, were sort of shocked when they had this like kid that, you know, liked to sing in the back of the car and, you know, was interested in all those sorts of things. And um, I went through school in Lubbock and public school. Uh, I went to Lubbock High School, which was my first sort of exposure to theater. I had grown up in our church singing and, um, had found a voice teacher. Actually, she kind of found me. She heard me singing somewhere and she was a a voice professor at Tech and said, you know, would you like to study with me? And so I started taking voice lessons at this woman's home who was, I think she was from Latvia um, (laughs) when I was 10 and took voice lessons from this voice professor from the time I was 10 until I was about 14. Uh, and then suddenly singing like voice soprano arias just wasn't cool. Uh, and so uh, that sort of ended <laughs> a little bit and my voice started changing. And, um, you know, I was starting to get made fun of because my voice was really high when I was that age. Uh, and so, you know, I sort of did that a lot um, from like 10 to 14 and then through junior high. 
Uh, I actually went to Lubbock Christian Junior High and they didn't have a choir or a theater program or anything. Um, I tried to play the trumpet unsuccessfully. <laughs> um, but um, uh, so I didn't really do anything for a few years. And then um, I decided I wanted to go back to public school um, because, you know, at a Christian school that's small like that, um, there was pretty much only sports uh, to do. Um, and I had been a gymnast, which is a whole nother uh, story <laughs> and podcast. Um, but I'd been a gymnast and I'd gotten injured and that ended. And so I sort of was like, well, maybe I'll go back to performing again. And, um, and so I went and decided to, to go to Lubbock High, which is a magnet school. So, you know, I had to apply to get into the, the program there. And, um, you know, back then in Lubbock, you were only in high school from your sophomore year to your senior year. So um, I auditioned uh, for all the choirs there uh, and initially uh, started out very much a choir kid. Um, and my whole life, um, the, the singing aspect has always sort of come first uh, when I found anything to do with the arts. And so um, when I went to Lubbock High, you know, I was in show choir there and in the varsity mix choir and the theater director, uh, Tony Sidwell, uh, heard me sing at something and pulled me aside and was like, uh, you have no choice but to audition for the musical next year. Cause I had only, we had Fiddler on the Roof was my first ever musical. I think yeah. I said Ruth and not Ruth. No. Anyways, Fiddler on the Roof. It's fine. Um, was I'm Jewish, musical. so I'm very offended. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you would mess um, that up. <laughs> and, uh, and they uh, had the, the whole choir was required to be in Fiddler. Um, and so I had no choice. And I remember, um, you know, this, I'm a blonde headed, very blonde headed kid at the time. Uh, and they put a yarmulke on me and then sprayed around it. So I remember taking it off and always having like a blonde <laughs> sort of bald spot looking yeah. thing. Um, but the bug bit big time after that experience. And uh, my parents came and, you know, they hadn't really seen a lot of theater and Lubbock High was really known for their musicals back then. Yeah. And I mean, obviously they were requiring the entire choir to be in it. It was humongous. It was a super good show, you know, as my memory. And to this day, my mom compares everything I do to that fiddler <laughs> on the roof. Uh, <laughs> And so to her, that's the gold standard right. uh, was that Fiddler on the Roof. And so after that, uh, in high school, I did Man of La Mancha and Grease. I played Teen Angel in Grease and the Barber in Man of La Mancha uh, and did one act play two years. I was an alternate, I believe an alternate, or was I crew? I honestly can't remember uh, my junior year. And then my senior year, I was in it. Uh, and so that was the only time I actually acted in one act play when I was in high school. And then when I left high school, uh, I sort of had a couple of years where I was sort of lost and wandering. Um, I had really thought uh, I wanted to do theater, but everyone was in my ear saying I should major in voice and I should pursue classical voice. Um, and even though I love singing and it's always like my first love, um, the truth was I just wasn't passionate about, you know, music theory or going and taking a bunch of foreign languages yeah. and all the things that go into being a vocal performance major uh, just didn't set me on fire the way that looking at a theater curriculum did. Uh, but that kind of confused me because, you know, I was a terrible actor. I was awful. And so the thought that that's, I would say I need to go major in acting was ludicrous. Okay. Like, you know, it'd be like, the you know shortest kid in school saying i want to play in the nba right. like it was ludicrous for me to want 
to sort of do that. Um, and so I don't think the advice was necessarily uh, wrong, <laughs> but it just but singing just wasn't uh, the kind of singing that you major in in college isn't really what lit my fire. It was musical theater and that sort of thing. So I kind of wandered around for a couple of years. And eventually my parents were like, you're miserable. You want to do musicals, go to school for theater. And long story short, I ended up at Texas Tech um, and I got into their BFA uh, in acting and I still took voice lessons on the side. Um, and so I, I did that. I finished my BFA and then I pretty soon quickly after that went and got my master's at Texas State. Uh, but through my, um, my BFA at Texas Tech, um, I had, there was, um, someone that was at, uh, Texas tech that was associated with a summer stock in Michigan city, Indiana, um, called the Canterbury summer theater. Mm -hmm. And I did four summers there. Uh, the last one I was company manager and every, we would do six shows in 11 weeks. Uh, and truthfully, um, don't get me wrong. I got great training in college, but I learned yeah. more in those four summers, uh, than I think I ever learned in a classroom um, because it was just every day you had to trust your instincts. And I truly feel like that's when I learned how to act because it gave me the tools that I got in the classroom um, when I was at Texas Tech. Like I got to go in and apply them every single day in that room. And I had no choice but to trust my instincts because, you know, we did, I played Jack and Into the Woods and we rehearsed in perform the thing in two and a half weeks. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like you have a whole lot of time to do all of this, you know, character study and research and all of this. You just sort of like have to do it. Yeah. Um, and so I really feel like that's where I cut my teeth. And through that, um, my, you know, this I've done it two summers and I was trying to decide if I was going to go back to that summer stock or audition for other ones. And um, I really decided I wanted to direct. And so I sort of, and I don't know where in the, like, why I thought I had the audacity to do something like this. Uh, but the artistic director called me and said, you coming back next season? And I said, only like I had some sort of room to give demands. Yeah. Uh, only if you let me direct one show. Um, and you. he was like, okay, <laughs> uh, I guess. And so he was like, let me call you back on that. Uh, and eventually he gave me the show that nobody wanted, uh, which is this little musical, called, I'm sorry, musical called uh, Do black patent leather shoes really reflect up. It's like Chicago's Greece. I don't know. It's, a, it's set in a Catholic school. And I don't know. It's this crazy musical. It's actually really beautiful. Yeah. And nobody does it down here because in Texas, nobody would get the references because right. it's like very like Chicago Catholic, you know, uh, it, it works like gangbusters when you're 45 minutes from downtown Chicago, sure. but here, yeah. you know, not so much. Um, but I did that. It went really well. Uh, and then I finished my undergrad the next summer, they let me direct two shows and made me the company manager. Uh, and so that was a really great experience. Um, but when I went to Texas state, I really made the decision that I wanted to study directing. And so I didn't audition for the shows. I like purposely stayed away from performance in any sort of way, just so I could get the experience, uh, of directing. I assistant directed, uh, as many shows as I could there. And then um, I did my thesis project um, and graduated with my degree in directing, um, which eventually, another sort of long story short that I'll spare you, uh, I ended up back in Lubbock for a minute. Um, and my professor, one of my professors there, Dr. Bill Gelber, who's a fantastic guy, 
um, was like, hey, if you're going to be in Lubbock, you should just like come down and get your PhD. Um, and I was like, I guess. So uh, <laughs> I applied to the PhD program at Tech. Um, and I started that, which was a really great experience. Um, I got through the coursework. And then um, I met my husband, uh, who was not my husband at the time. Uh, I met my the guy that was going to be my <laughs> that husband. would have been interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? Um, uh, there's not a lot of gay arranged marriages uh, running around. Uh, but anyways, um, met my husband, um, and he was moving to San Antonio. I'd finished my coursework, and I was like, I've had enough of Lubbock. I grew up here. Yeah. I went to college here. I, got my, I left for a few years for my master's, and then now I'm back. Like, I want to go. So we moved to San Antonio um, and uh, it turned out to be uh, even we had literally known each other a month when we decided to do that, which was insane. Um, <laughs> but it turned out to be the best decision of my life uh, because uh, I found a city that I really love. I love living in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, and so we came down here and, you know, I did uh, community theater here. Um, I did a lot of shows at the Vexler Theater um and i did rent there and assassins and directed um uh, arabian nights the mary zimmerman version and i did um, august osage county so i did a lot of work there and just loved it um and through that i was trying to finish my dissertation um, i completed all my tests and i was abd and done with that part of it and i was about 100 pages into my dissertation um and was just struggling with it like i just could not get to the end of it and um, I was, you know, discouraged and I, it just didn't feel like it was going anywhere. I was like, you know, over 30 and was like, I need my career to start. Like, I yeah. feel like I've been in school my whole life. Um, and I really want to start my career. Um, and at the time, uh, I don't know if you, do you know the hoppers, Jeremy and Clinton? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, they're my best friends. I yeah. love those guys. Um, and they were teaching high school. And so, and they were in Houston and I was like, Hey guys, how do y'all like this teaching high school thing? And they're like, it's pretty good. They were at Adobe yeah, uh, at yeah. the time. I actually listened to Kathy Padrell's podcast the other day yeah. and I heard her mention that. But um, uh, and, and so I went down and shadowed them for a couple of days and watched them do what they do and thought, you know, I really think I'll like this. Um, I had taught, when I was getting my PhD, I had taught the freshman level acting courses um, at Tech. And I really liked that age yeah. um, because they're still a sponge and, there's still hope they haven't, you know, their dreams haven't been destroyed yeah. quite yet. Um, and so they still think that, you know, the world's their oyster. So uh, I do like that age. And, and I really did um, when I went and visited, I really liked, you know, the rehearsals and, and their interactions with the high school kids. And so I sort of just was like, I came back and I told my husband, I was like, we weren't husbands yet. Um, I was like, I want to teach high school, I think. And so I got an alternative certification. Uh, we were still in San Antonio and we wouldn't have left at all. But um, at the time, I don't know if this has changed or not. None of the districts accepted alternative certifications. Okay. And so um, I couldn't find a job anywhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, Jeremy and Clinton Hopper um, were like, hey, they're hiring at one of the high schools in Pasadena ISD knowing nothing about Pasadena. <laughs> yeah. Um, get down Dina is what we say. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I went and interviewed and I got the job as the head director of Pasadena High School, <laughs> um, which is a 6A school right. 
Oh, you probably know a lot about Pass, but I knew nothing about it. Um, you know, it's a it's a six it's a smaller six A high school. I don't are they still six A? Uh, that I don't know for sure. Do but you know? They're at least five um, or six, but yeah. And so they were five or six. Uh, but I was the you know I was the sole director. Technical theater is not my strong suit. Let's yeah. just say that. Um, but I was the only person there. And uh, I sort of just like trial by fire for two years. Um, I did that. Um, and no, and, oh, it's 80% below the poverty line. Um, and those kids are so um, thirsty for people to care about them and to invest in them. And, um, I had a really great time there. Like, don't get me wrong. It's hard, uh, because there's very little resources and, you know, you don't, um, you know, you don't have parental support, uh, at all. Hardly. I had basically no parent volunteers whatsoever. Um, and, uh, but I had amazing, amazing students at that school and, um, such a good experience, but mentally and emotionally it's tough. Um, because, you know, um, at that school, at least in my case, I can't speak for everyone, but in my case, I knew I was sending kids home to bad situations right. um, in varying degrees. Right. And that was always really, really tough for me. Um, and I, I and it was one of those things I, I have a theory uh, and I don't know if people would agree with me on this. And I think when you teach in a, in a title one type school or a title one school, I think you should sign a four year contract to get one group graduated. I think they should pay you $100,000 a year <laughs> yeah. and you should only be allowed to do it for, for four years. And then you get to take a couple of years off and then you can come back yeah. because I think it is just, it was so um, much yeah. uh, for a person. And, I, and I'm not just talking about teaching theater or band or any of the arts. I'm just being an English teacher there. Yeah. It's emotionally tough. And so I did that. And then Tim Unroe, who I'm sure, you know, yep. Tim, yeah, um, had seen me at one act play. Um, and, um, because we competed against each other and we'd sort of interacted a little bit and his uh, assistant, Aaron Brown, was planning on leaving going to grad school mm -hmm. and Tim sort of reached out and said, Hey, you know, apply for this job if you're interested. Um, you know, I was kind of at the point where I was like, I don't know how long I can do this Pasadena thing for, uh, this seems like a really good opportunity. Obviously Tim was very successful yeah. and I was super flattered that he even, you know, thought for me to apply. Um, so I applied, I got the job. Um, and I taught at Dawson, um, for two years and, you know, I learned, you know, I nearly had my PhD right, when I got to Dawson yeah. and I learned more about directing one act play in that two years. Than yeah. could have. Um, Tim Unruh knows how to direct a one act play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I truly attribute any success I've had at one act play to sort of those two years and seeing really how to put it together um, and how to do it. And so, um, and so then after Dawson, um, uh, my husband, who was my husband by this point, uh, and I adopted two children, uh, who are now six and seven, they were two and three when we got them. 
And at Dawson, uh, it's interesting because they rehearse from six to eight at night. Mm. Um, and as a parent, you would understand the issue yeah. <laughs> rehearsing yeah. every night from six to eight. You know, that's homework, bedtime, right. the whole food, yeah. food the whole <laughs> shebang. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want my husband to be a single dad. and I didn't want my to miss my kids growing up. Uh, and so um, because of that, um, I knew I couldn't stay at Dawson right. um, because there was just no way. It's just the way that that functions and the way it's just, it's an integral part of what they do is, is at least at the time um, was rehearsing at that hour of the day. Uh, and so um, I sort of, you know, it was decided pretty early on after I got the kids, we got the kids in September right. and it didn't take long to figure out this was not going to work. Um, and so I just started applying all over the place um, and, uh, ended up, and we wanted to move back to San Antonio because both Sean and I, my husband's parents, both of our parents live in Lubbock and we sure weren't going back to Lubbock. Yeah. Um, no, no shade to Lubbock, no but shade. you know, yeah. you know, no shade, but, yeah. um, but I didn't really up. want to move back yeah. to Lubbock. Yeah. We had loved, loved San Antonio, had a bunch of friends here. Um, and so I just started applying for jobs solely in San Antonio and so luckily ended up at Reagan high school. Right. Um, and I followed Gloria Robinson who was there for 17 years before me and she left a gold mine and she is a amazing woman uh, who I still talk to on the phone sometimes. Uh, and you know, she comes back and teaches at our camp that we do every summer. Uh, and, um, she's still a big part of our program. Um, and this will, we're graduating the last group that had her their freshman year now. So next year will be my first full year of seniors. Um, which is exciting. Um, but that's sort of how I got where I got. Um, and, you know, I think it's funny because, you know, it's it's really taken me till I got to Reagan to wake up every day and be like, this is exactly what I should yeah. be doing. Um, so that's, you know, that's been a, an amazing thing. Are you still performing? No. Or, dire um, <laughs> or directing outside of education? <laughs> Um, eventually I will. Okay. Um, it's really tough. I mean, you know, with kids, yeah, it's, sure. you know, I got, you know, for me to do something outside, that means a huge burden, you know, on my significant yeah, other. Yeah. Uh, it means my kids not seeing me and, yeah. you know, and it, it's hard for me to make that sacrifice at the time. And, you know, at Reagan, we do seven shows a year. Okay. Um, and so, you know, it's, there's no way I could do a show during the school year. Um, and so if I were to do something, I'd do it during the summer and that would be sacrificing time with them when I already sacrificed so much time in the name of theater. Uh, so I feel like, you know, when they get a little older and, you know, I'm Papa uh, right. and Papa isn't cool anymore, um, <laughs> I'll probably go back and do some stuff. Um, but that is one of the reasons that we did move back to San Antonio um, was because I do want to perform again eventually. Mm -hmm. And in Houston, um, the hard thing about performing in Houston is living in Pearland, everything's downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you're talking, you know, driving 30 to 45 minutes to get to a rehearsal, 30 to 45 minutes yeah. driving back. And, and in San Antonio, you know, I can be at any of the major theaters here in 20 minutes. Right. And so, it, and so it just, and it's, you know, it's a little less, you know, in Houston, you know, you're dealing with equity and all that kind of stuff. And, and we do now have an equity house in San Antonio, the public's gone equity, yeah. but other than that, it's community theater and, and, you know, it's just something that it feels a little more accessible um, once I sort of like round the corner with my children, right. <laughs> and they grow up a little bit more. W what does your husband do? 
he works for Wells Fargo. Okay. Um, and he was a branch manager for a long time. Uh, and he just recently, about a year ago, and he now works from home. Okay. Uh, for Wells before <laughs> before yeah, everyone before, was working from home. Was popular. Yeah. Yeah. Before it was popular, <laughs> he was working from home before working from home was cool. Um, and uh, and so, which was also a huge life changer because we live about 10 minutes from Reagan. Um, our kids go to school around the corner, which was the other thing about Houston that's difficult, as yeah. you know, um, is just, you know, we were 30 minutes from our kids' daycare and when we were at our jobs or 45 minutes. You know, we just spent half of our life in the car. Yeah. Uh, and here I barely spend 20 minutes a day in the car. Um, and yeah. so it was, it was really sort of a lifestyle decision when we moved. Uh, do you find that your kids are swinging one way or another when it comes to going the theater or mathematical arithmetic? <laughs> well, I have my son who is, uh, he is seven. He just turned seven, yeah. uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. Um, he is super shy. Right. To the point that at their first grade play, he wouldn't get on the stage. He like sat to the side with his teacher uh, and they're all like, you're like the theater guy. Yeah. Like, how is your like your kid should be like the star? And I'm like, he but he loves designing things. Right. Okay. And he, you know, I think if he does anything, it'll be on the design side of things. He's a loner. He likes to sit with his toys and do Legos or he loves to, um, you know, get fabric and make clothes out of it. Okay. And, you know, he's uh, tagged. And now my daughter, um, who is six, absolutely will probably be an actress. Yeah. Uh, she gives performances every day that would get me to state, um, uh, I think, uh, as she whines for the iPad or whatever yeah. it is that she wants. <laughs> um, and I actually said that to the other day. She, I, she, got, she got in trouble and she got the iPad taken away. And she sort of flipped out. And I said... I really hope you're this good when you're in this, high school. This is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's normal behavior. I mean, that's that's not specific to your kid. <laughs> Which you know what I've what I have really found in this time that we're all kind of forced to love our family, right? Uh, whether mm -hmm. you want to or not, is is my oldest daughter. Is, she's a carbon copy of me, right? Mm -hmm. You have two uh, adopted children, but right. they. Like he, what I have learned is that it doesn't matter if they are genetically or not genetically related to you. It's all about what they are, th their influences. And, right. uh, because my, like, you know, I have two daughters, right? So daddy loves sports. I I'm a big mm -hmm. sports guy. I never played sports. I just like to watch sports. Right. Neither, neither the, neither of my kids like sports. However, I have shown a lot of passion for loving wrestling and like like oh, yeah. like WWE wrestling, right? Which I've talked about yeah. ad nauseum on this podcast. But um, my oldest daughter now, as we're recording this, this is a Saturday night. Last night, Friday night, which is SmackDown night. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she she watches three nights a week with me. Four nights if there's a pay per view on. She watches three nights a week with me. Yesterday, misbehaved. And I turned off wrestling, and you would have thought that I had just told her that, like, mommy had died or something. I ah. mean, she <laughs> went nuts. She lost it. And she's almost eight years old, you know. Um, but she she would never have gotten into that stuff if daddy had not shown so much passion it. for it. You know, well, And you know what's funny 
is that our daughters would be friends because anytime there's any kind of wrestling on TV, my daughter is like obsessed. I'd be and friends this, with your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's funny is, is there's this, this is totally has nothing to do with theater, but there's this, this movie on Netflix kids yeah. called Dengal. Do you know about this thing? <laughs> no, I thought you were, there's another one on, but anyway, continue, keep yeah. going. And yeah. it's about this uh, dad who's like this, like famous wrestler from India and he's got these two daughters and like they really want to become wrestlers mean mind you the whole thing is in hindi um and um it's about these two daughters sort of like showing their dad that they can be wrestlers too and it's like my daughter's favorite movie it's completely in hindi like but she loves it and she's i mean she's reading a little bit but it's not like she can read the subtitles like almost a three-hour movie I'm yeah. looking at it now. <laughs> and she watches, she watches it all the time. It's like our favorite movie. That's, um, that's it's hilarious. so random. And we don't even know how she found it. Like she just, and she just watches it all the time. It's just her favorite thing. Did she come across it? On, like in all seriousness, did she, was she perusing the, the iPad? Like was she? Yeah. Like it was, she was on, it was on Netflix kids. And typically like I scroll through and pick it. And one day, I think I was just in a hurry and I handed it to her and she just found it. And then like since then, and that was like two years ago. That's funny. I mean, this started when she was like four. Um, She's still (laughs) into this movie. So my daughter may be an Olympic wrestler. um, Yeah. You know, which I'm fine with. I'm great with that. So, you know, go. So it goes back to you mentioned earlier about gymnastics and you said it could be Mm -hmm. a whole another podcast. (laughs) It could be. But. Is that, is that, is that something that you still have like an interest in? And uh, Oh yeah. yeah. Um, My kids um, are like, do we have to watch gymnastics? Like I'm obsessed. Like you can ask my theater kids. I'm obsessed. Like everything is like, well, you know, when Simone Biles did this (laughs) and Allie Raceman did this, like I'm a little obsessed. Do you Um, watch uh, um, American Ninja Warrior and that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, I do a little okay. bit. Like when I catch it, I've watched all the ones that the gymnasts are on. That's the what, gymnasts yeah, are, I was gonna say because yeah. it's very like you have to be such a good gymnast for that kind of stuff. So oh yeah, yeah. like those you know. Now I was, and, and again, we're like not even talking about theater. Um, <laughs> that, that's but okay I did though. Something called it's uh, a getting to know you. We're getting done. Uh, I did something called well. Now they call it trampoline gymnastics. Have okay. you seen the trampoline on the Olympics? Uh, no, I can't no, okay. say I have. So I did. With, you, like, you said tr- you said trampoline, not trampling, yeah. right? No, yeah, I said okay. trampoline. I didn't trample people. <laughs> okay. I bounced on a right. thing. It's like elephants. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I did trampoline. What they call now? They we called it power tumbling back in the day, okay. but it's essentially um, a sport that is adjacent to gymnastics that has three events. One is the floor, just like what you would see on the Olympics, but instead of it being a square, it's just a long track. And instead of doing all the dancey choreography stuff, it's just the tumbling part. Um, and then you do trampoline, uh, which is what you would think. And then there's another event called double mini, which no one's ever heard of, but it's amazing. <laughs> sounds like a candy bar. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It sounds like, but it's two trampolines attached together. You bounce from one trampoline to the other and the other one onto a crash mat. So that's what I did. Wow. So I have zero upper body strength. Um, for the listeners at home, yeah. I am not, you know, uh, in any way, I can't like literally do a pull up. So, um, but back in the day, I quit when I was 16. Um, but I did it from the time I was about seven until I was 16. So about nine years. Wow. 
Um, and it was my whole life. Um, it was, I got up at 6 AM and worked out from 6 30 to 8 30 mm. and then showered and went to school and then went back to the gym after school. So it was the real deal. Wow. Um, I don't say the real deal. Like I was like, you know, whatever, but, yeah. um, I was really, really training hard. Um, and so, uh, when I got, I got injured and then that's when sort of the singing and theater and all that sort of came into my life. Right. So what do you, cause you mentioned right at the beginning that you, your parents were kind of looking at you like, what in the heck is wrong with this kid? Yeah. What, what was it? Because there had to have been something that got you kind of was, fired up to sing and, you know, well, shower I, I sing, think, car sing. Yeah. Well, it was, I sang in the car a lot when I was a kid and there was this old children's tape. If you, any kid from the eighties, I remember this It's called bullfrogs and butterflies. <laughs> I think it was like a church thing. I don't uh, know if, yeah. if this I don't rings know. a bell to anybody. No, not but, to me, but um, I'm sure there you know, are listeners and, that, yeah. And my mom, like, I love my mom. She is the best mom, but she cannot sing like at all. Yeah. Um, and um, we were in the car one day with a friend and I was like four or five or something. And I was singing harmony with the tape <laughs> And her friend was like, uh, Carol, that's not normal. Like kids don't just like do that. Yeah. Um, and so from that, we, um, when we lived in new home when I was, until I was five and then we moved to town, uh, you know, you're from a small town when Lubbock's moving to town. To town. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, uh, when we moved to town, we uh, started going to this church and they had like a children's choir and stuff. And so I just started doing that and through church, we sort of, I mean, my parents sort of discovered I could sing. Um, and, you know, it's funny when all of it started, you know, they, you know, again, were just sort of, you know, like, what do we do with this? Um, but they are the most supportive parents in yeah. the world. And they never once were, I mean, they had gone through the gymnastics thing, you know right. saying so the singing thing didn't seem so weird. Um, but, um, and so they, you know, they were super supportive. And it's funny because, you know, at first, you know, they didn't really know what they were watching, but now, you know, cause you know, I just turned 40 proudly. <laughs> I just turned 40. So I started doing theater, what, 25 years ago. Is that right? Yeah. When I was like 14 or 15. Yeah. Uh, and so they've gone from not knowing anything to now they are like professional theater right. critics. Right. Uh, they come and see a show and they're like, that like he was off and they were behind on that. They're writing know. blogs. Yeah. Yeah. Like they. <laughs> 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 And mom, like that wasn't your best, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Has <laughs> so, there ever been a show that you've done, whether it was one you directed or you were you were acting in that you were so proud of, and your parents were like, "Ah, oh, sweetheart, I know you really were excited about that, but." Um, I'll say I did some, um, and, and, you know, I don't want people to Google too hard here, but I did some <laughs> avant-garde theater when I was in my PhD program yeah. at Texas tech that I personally loved. Um, however, um, I feel like, uh, my parents were probably not huge fans. Right. Um, if your mom's, if your mom's still comparing everything that you did to your, what, <laughs> sophomore year Fiddler on the Roof or Fiddler whatever on the that roof, was. Right. Yeah. Then yeah, probably avant-garde theaters. Not I know I peaked early. Um, <laughs> really is what happened. What um, were you in Fiddler? Do you remember? Oh, I was just you know you just... townsperson number right. forty-three. You know, like no, nobody. Um, and so yeah, but you know, to this day, I mean, and since then, like you know, there are certain things that they, um, you know, they definitely prefer the musicals. I would say, yeah. um, but they come to this day. 
They see everything. They drive down from Lubbock for every single show I do. Um, And so, you know, that's the super, you know, I have an amazing support system. And like when we do the musical, um, you know, which is every January, you know, most schools do, um, you know, have quite a bit more rehearsal than what we have. We do about a week before we leave for Christmas break. And then we do the rest of it in a month after Christmas break. Uh, So we rehearse before school, after school, you know what I'm saying? Like we're killing ourselves to get that thing on its feet. Um, And my mom basically just moves down here for three weeks Uh, um, to help with the kids and stuff during that because it would be impossible without her, you know? Um, She's like a crew member. Well, so is my husband, you know? Right. It takes the whole family uh, for for me to do that every year because it's so time consuming. Yeah, I hear you on that one. I mean, my mother-in-law lives with us. She's actually in the room next door (laughs) to me. But uh, uh, so it's one of those things that, because my wife is a theater teacher, I'm a theater teacher. If right. she did not live with us, then one of us would not be able to be a theater yeah. teacher. I mean, it really just wouldn't work out. So, no, yeah. And I think, you know, um, and that, you know, that's really something that, because not a whole, like if you look around, um, like at a TTA convention or at, thespians or any you know anytime there's a group very few of us have small children yeah at the at at the 6a high school level very few of us have small children because it is so hard you know it's you know i wrestle with that all the time you know um i I do my best to leave at 6 30 every day uh, so i can come home and eat dinner with them and put them to bed you know um because i don't want them to ever think that i've chosen you know yeah my job over them. So, and so it's a tough thing. And you, you kind of already touched on this as well when you were talking about, uh, leaving, uh, the Unroe high school, if you will, um, <laughs> about when you, you He'll know, hate that you said that, by the way, <laughs> he'll want you to call it the Dawson high school. The Unroe high school. Oh, the I'll Dawson high school. I don't I say that. Yeah. Yeah. The Amy and Tim, uh, high school. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but w- you touched on it earlier about how part of the reason, or maybe even the reason that you left. It was, was the reason. Yeah. yeah. It's cause you, you wanted to be there for your kids. What I've noticed for me. And again, I, you know, I said this off air enough. People are tired of, of me talking about me, but it's called minor <laughs> wisdom. Um, but, uh, uh, my mindset changed when, my kids came into the picture and I was still, and I was in education. Now my mm-hmm. firstborn, I had my firstborn when I was a touring lighting designer and left right. that world because I had a child, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, cause I, I would never have seen her, but, right. uh, but, but I had taught three years prior to the touring life and I was mm-hmm. a bachelor. Well, I wasn't, I was with my wife, but we weren't again, like you were saying earlier, she wasn't my wife right. yet. Or as Borat would say, my wife. But um, uh, but she. So once I had kids, it completely twisted and changed my thinking of how much time I need to spend at work, and then how much time I need to spend at home. Uh, right. Do you? I mean, I, I assume you feel the same way. Yeah. You know, it was interesting when I came to Reagan. Um, and uh Gloria Robinson had been there and you know there were certain you know and in any time like she set me up better than anybody could have ever set me up yeah. to be successful she really did um and when I came in they used to do a th- they all called her G-Rob um and they had a thing on Friday nights called date night with G-Rob <laughs> and so they would rehearse every Friday night from you know what I'm saying yeah. like late 
Um, but I got two kids. I ain't about yeah. to be up at the theater on Friday night until 9.30 or 10. Um, and I think at the beginning, uh, and there's always growing pains when you, uh, you know, transition a program like that. Um, but at the beginning, I think the kids thought we weren't rehearsing enough. Right. Um, because I was like, no, you know, and they're like, we're not rehearsing all day Saturday. Nope. We're yeah. not, um, you know, and and I started doing morning rehearsals after my first year, uh, which is probably maybe the best move uh, that my counterpart, uh, Jim Kaiser, and I have made is we moved our productions advanced class to first period. Um, and so school doesn't start until 855. Uh, oh. And so, you know, I can call the kids in and we can get a full run of the one act done before yeah. They even go to class. Right. Um, and that's made a massive difference, you know, because that productions class, you know, I'd never done a one act play class, which our that, that class really isn't a one act play class, to be honest with you. It's just something that we work on in there. But having that class, you know, I can get the one act blocked before we leave for Christmas. Right. Now, I don't touch it again right. <laughs> from right. that point once we come back and do the musical. Um, however, when the musical's over and I only have three weeks to yeah. clinic, um, it's blocked. And yeah. so all I, you know, at that point we just got to tech it and polish it and, and it's, it's a life changer. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll tell directors, you can figure out a way to do that. Like that is cause my first year at Reagan that because we had done Oklahoma and then we went straight into one act and, you know, um, and, and she'd be the first to tell you this, but Gloria, um, she was over one act play. Right. Right. (laughs) It was not her favorite thing. Let's just say that Uh, she was really about the musical and, um, you know, and she really hardcore put her focus in other areas. And um, and so, you know, with one act play, I had just come from, you know, Unroland, land and um, and I, you know, they hadn't gone out of district in a while when I got there, I think like 10 years or something. Um, and, and so I get there and we do this play called, uh, um, for love of the nightingale. And I didn't really have any expectations. Like I kind of wanted to get out of district just to be like, Hey, we can do this. Um, well, we ended up going to area that year. Um, and it about like going from the musical and not getting any time off and going straight into one act play and then going to area by the end of it, my kids were done. Yeah. And when Gloria had been there, they had always done a show after one act play. Well, so we had that on our season still. Well, we lost two weeks of rehearsal because of advancing in one act play. (laughs) And we had literally three weeks to the day to do a whole other show on our black box. And I was like, by the end of that year, I was like, okay, we've got to figure something else out. Um, And so um, with that in mind, uh, we made one of the, you know, we, we kind of have our system that we do now is, and we still do a show sort of after quote unquote, one act play, we do a new works festival, um, in which it's all student written, student yep. directed, student acted. Same. Uh, and so that way, you know, we can sort of work that around their 10 minute plays. So it's not, you know, we can either rehearse them you know, before school or like we can work it out to get those plays done and up. And, you know, it's limited technical stuff. Like, you know, it's everybody gets to use the same sort of furniture and whatever. Um, And so we, so that has made a huge difference. So between moving um, our UL one I play stuff to first period and then shifting to the new works festival, it has made our 
year like so much easier than what it was my first year um because it is a difference because you know when you know when Gloria was there before me she'd been there for 17 years and most of that time her children were grown um and so you know she had you know what I'm saying like that was her world uh and so you know she you know and I just couldn't the way that she had it structured just wasn't going to work for me having kids um but the good, the great thing about this is one of the thing. One of the things I love about my job is that even though obviously we have a boss and we have a principal and all those things, um, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, hopefully um, you have a principal that sort of lets you do your thing, um, and so you have the ability to say, okay, um, for example, my husband has to be available until seven o'clock every other month. So those months we only rehearse until six o'clock. Right. Um, but you know, and my principal probably doesn't even know that or care (laughs) because she comes to the show and the show's, you know, doing what it needs to do. And so, um, and so that is the beauty of it. Um, even though it's hard and there's a lot of time, um, I do have some control, you know, or I can say, you know, it's my kid's birthday. We're not rehearsing tonight or whatever, you know? And so, um, so it does allow, you know, you do have more control over your life. Uh, than than you would in a lot of other jobs. Do you um, do you think that as your kids get older, you're going to change how you are as a director? Um, it depends. The one thing that that concerns me is when they start doing other things, like if they're you know in dance or if they right. you know take martial arts or do basketball or whatever it is that their interests sort of land on. Um, I do, I, it does concern me how I can sort of like maneuver and be, you know, cause like coming from, you know, someone that was a gymnast and for a very long time, my parents lived, you know, if they right. weren't at work, they were at the gym with me, you know? Uh, and so, and I know that that's not something that's super, you know, po- possible uh, with my schedule. Luckily, I think, you know, my husband will be able to, to pick up the slack on that a lot. Right. Um, but it's, I think it's just going to be one of those things that I'll take it year by year. Luckily, uh, Jim Kaiser, who I work with, uh, he is super supportive and, you know, he knows that I'm basically running a daycare out of my house right now. Right. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> he went and loaded all the stuff that needed to go to storage and da, 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 da. Cause you know, um, and so luckily, you know, I have an amazing support team between my husband and my parents and him, uh, that sort of make it possible yeah. for me to like, do what I do. Um, you know, and I'll probably just continue to adjust the program to suit the needs of my family. Um, and you know, that's just sort of is what it is. <laughs> what's, what's the toughest show you've done in high school or a, as a high school director? Without a doubt, bar none, end of story. Um, Titanic. We just oh. closed Titanic. Yeah. Um, you did that, that this year. We did that this oh, okay. year. Um, we closed it, um, let's see, the first week in February. Okay. And that show was massive. It had 83 people in it. Huh. Um, we rented the set from New Jersey. It okay. came in on a semi truck. Uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, it's, it, you don't discuss politics or money, uh, but let me just say that that set was a lot of money. <laughs> um, sure. And, <laughs> sure. and um, you know, and I'm at a fortunate school. I'm not going to lie. I've taught at a Title I school with a, my budget, my first year there was $1,500 for the whole year. Yeah. 
Now, not the musical. That was a separate thing there. Yeah. Uh, but for my one at play and all of my other shows, it was 1500 bucks. You know, at Reagan, you know, I spend $1,500 on a Tuesday. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, yeah. um, I'm not saying I do that every Tuesday. Yeah. But, you know, you. you know, there's times that we sign checks and I think, oh, my gosh, that's like 10 years of budget for, <laughs> you know, uh, for when I was at Pasadena, I would have right. passed out signing it, you know, getting a check like that then. Um, you know, and I, you know, and it's really important to me for my students. Um, a lot of directors I think don't, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't really feel like I hear directors talking to their kids about how much stuff costs. Right. And I talk about it I all the time. Yeah. I'm like, you know how much about the rights to this cost? This much money. Yeah. You know how much the set just cost us? This much money. You know how much yeah. these costumes just cost us? Because I want them to be aware, one, of how fortunate they are to have what they have right. and to be getting to um, work with toys and costumes and all the things uh, that they get to do. I want them to be thankful for what they have. And also, I heard you talking on a podcast the other day about how kids leave high school and they're like, wait a second, where's all my moving lights? Yeah, yeah. And where's my, you know, set trucked in from New Jersey with right. the, our own personal technician? <laughs> like, where is all of that? Yeah. You know, um, and I tell them all the time, like, you better enjoy this because let me tell you right now, you know, it is, you know, most colleges don't yeah. have some of the things that we have. Um, and so, and that's a great thing to work with. And I'm, and they like what you, you said on in the previous podcast, like, I'm, I'm super glad they get to work with that stuff yeah. and learn about that stuff. And they got to do like a professional load in, you yeah. know, we had three days to load that load that whole set in and then a day to take it down. You know, that's wonderful experience yeah. for them. And I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I want them to be aware that that is not the typical experience that they are fortunate and that they um, should not take for granted um, where they go to school and what we are able to pull off. Because I'll be honest with you, um, doing Titanic, it was a huge leap of faith whether or not we could get the money together to do the show. Um, and we had a, a couple of parents really step up for us um, and help make it happen. And we sold a crap ton of ads for our program. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and all the pieces sort of fell into place and we basically were a little under, um, but not much under what we were from our previous musical, which was Hello Dolly the year before. Um, and in Titanic, you know, um, you know, we were lucky in that we uh, sold out three of the four shows, um, which for us, our, our theater, how many seats does y'all's theater have? Uh, just under 1,100. So Okay, so y'all are like us. We're yeah. at like 972. Yeah. Um, so it's no small thing to yeah. sell out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, we were lucky in that we, it sold well. And so the gamble all paid off, paid off yeah. um, you know, and, um, but it was huge. It was huge. The opening number is 76 pages of music. Is that so? Is, <laughs> oh no, I'm thinking of 1776. That's the no, one I, that, that's the one that has 30 minutes where there's no music played the, for the first like 30 minutes of the show. There's no, zero. Yeah. yeah. So the opposite is with. It's, it's literally the opera. It's like an opera. Like <laughs> yeah. we, you know, the music and one of the things that I think is uh, important to talk about in terms of like what I do at Reagan, um, our choir program, and it was this way. And I, and this is something else I learned at Dawson. Um, Roxanne Silva, who's the choir director at Dawson and Tim had an amazing relationship. Yeah. And it was really, you know, Ovation is a theater program there and um, which it still is with John Grimmett, who's yeah. doing a great job. And yeah. then, um, 
their um, encore is the choir. And so we always joked it was encovation. Like it was like, uh, it was just one big department. Um, and Reagan is exactly the same way. Yeah. And that's very, very important to me of my advanced class of which I have a, around 26 actors. Um, I would say probably 16 to 18 of them are also in choir okay. in some capacity. Yeah. Um, and so the key, you know, I get asked sometimes, what's the key to being able to do huge musicals like that? And it's like, you must, you have to have a good relationship with your choir program. Yeah. Um, and you've got to work together. I was on the phone today for 40 minutes with our choir director. <laughs> Talking about next about, year. Yeah, just about different stuff. And, you know, you know, we've got a kid that's in this and this and this. And, you know, like, how is that going to work with that? And, you know, she literally, when we, uh, for uh, uh, last year at One Act Play, she had a kid that was singing UIL the same day that we were at... Was it area? Yeah, it was, it was area. And she literally put him in her car. I don't know if that's legal. Well, I don't oh. know if I should say that on the podcast. Um, <laughs> it, but with permission. With permission. Yeah, yeah he, she you, did have permission. Yeah, the you can do She's that. Not a thing you can do that. Uh, but she drove him from the choir contest 45 minutes yeah. across town to get him to mine. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and I would do the same for her, you know, right. um, and, and so you have to, in order to do what we do at the level that we do it, um, it would not work any other way. Yeah. Um, and I, those, the, the choir and the theater departments are literally basically one department, right. um, for, for, for a lot of purposes. Um, and so, you know, I don't, we don't schedule anything, um, Jim and I without, um, you know, we don't do anything really without looping them in. Um, and, and it makes for, you know, it really makes for a successful sort of a formula. Um, and you know, I'm just so lucky that I'm in a, in a, you know, cause that doesn't always work. Choir programs and theater programs don't always, no. um, jive. Yeah. And I've seen that. Um, and you know, and, and it's at the college level too, music programs and theater programs don't speak the same language in a lot of ways. Um, and so I feel super lucky. Now I always joke with my choir folks that they're, um, you know, theater people masquerading as choir people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true um but uh but you know they love musical theater and they come and see all of our shows and they drive and come and see our one act plays and it is truly just one big family and so and that's you know i think that is a, a massive um part of of why we're able to do something yeah. like titanic you know um which is an insanely humongous show i mean it's like Lamez and Phantom had a baby, you know, it's like, <laughs> I think died. there's 35. That, and then they all died. In. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, it. there's 35 singing roles in Titanic. Wow. So yeah. 35 people sing by themselves. I won't yeah. be doing that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one, one thing that we do or that, that I did at Dulles was, uh, because we weren't necessarily the best, uh, as far as finances were concerned, we, we didn't necessarily mm -hmm. have the largest budget, but we had a healthy budget. We, mm -hmm. we did well, like I can't complain about it. And we had a, a lot of parent support in our pocketbook, not necessarily on site. So, right, um, right. uh, again, not a complaint, just an observation. But one thing that I did with the, with the students to help them understand, cause I'm the same way. I would tell them how much things cost and mm -hmm. just say, you, you have to understand how this works <clears throat> excuse me and one of the ways we did that was with their student produce because we did them at the same time they write them they produce them the mm -hmm. writer cannot direct their own show and all this yeah. kind of stuff 
is we gave them a budget. We usually gave them 50 bucks and said, right. you have 50 bucks to put on your show. Um, if you need any more than that, you have to charge for tickets and, and you have to make that money. And, right. and, and, you know, you'll, you'll learn real fast how to mm-hmm. budget, uh, that stuff. And yeah. I know, you know, there's some teachers that are going to say, wow, you could give them all 50 bucks. It's like, no, I didn't hand them a $50 check, you no. know, or it's not, that's not how it worked. But, uh, we were able through the boosters, the parent, we mm-hmm. had an agreement with the parent of the kid and all this kind of stuff before any theater police out there go get me. But, um, it was a thing we set up, but it was still a way to help them understand, Hey, you're not paying for rights. Cause you guys wrote these shows, but to get the mm-hmm. props and the costumes and yeah. you can't just go spend can't just go buy a 30 dollars shirt at at express because you think it'll fit mm-hmm. this character um right so anyway that's and one it, thing to do and i think the new works thing i think and having them do that is so important um because you know the one of the things because when i was working on my phd that i never finished um <laughs> my big area of study was arts administration And, you know, you look, you don't even see arts admin taught in at the collegiate level. Like you can go through a whole BFA program in acting some places and they don't even talk about arts administration. Um, Now, that's not everywhere. um, But, you know, I talk about it to my kids all the time. You know, it's like, you know, you know theater they they it's a it's a running joke that it's like you know i'm like we can't do that show we'll make any money um you know i'm really not money driven truth be told but i think it's important for the kids to understand that um you know when they go see um a show locally what it took for those people to make that happen and um and that truthfully you know when you really learn and cut your teeth Um, I learned so much from, you know, we just started a theater company in Lubbock uh, that was some graduate students at Texas Tech that we wanted to do some um, original plays. And we rented a storefront and we knew that we had to make $700 a month some Mm -hmm. way or another, whether that was through doing three stage readings and charging five bucks, like however we were going to do it. Uh, And we did it for about a year and a half. Uh, And you learn a lot. you know? Um, and, and so it's important to me, um, you know, most of my kids, uh, come not all, um, obviously, but a a lot, a lot of my kids come from relatively privileged backgrounds. And I think, you know, for them, you know, I want them to understand that they're not always going to work in theaters that, that, you know, have what we have. And, um, and, and so I, I do wish that arts administration was a bigger component um, of theater education just as a whole. Um, not, you know, Mark, you know, I've spent, I literally have spent all day today working on the trailer for our next season. Um, (laughs) you know, for Titanic, we marketed the crap out of that thing. Um, you know, and, you know, just trying to get on the news and sending out press Mm -hmm. releases and da, 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 da. da. I mean, all that stuff is so important. And, you know, I just think it's, it's, it sometimes gets missed, um, in curriculum. Uh, because it's not something that comes straight to mind. Like we're right. training an actor here, you know, we're training, but the truth is, is most actors eventually are going to go out and they're going to be in a theater company where the director looks at them and says, Hey, uh, do you know how to use Photoshop? <laughs> do, you, <laughs> right. you know, do you know how to use this ticketing system? Yeah. Um, what do you know about social media? Um, you know, and so it's, 
it's important to, even if you can't spend a ton of time on it, to just sort of plant that seed. And it's also something to tell them that there's more jobs in theater than being an actor right. or a technician. Yeah. Um, and that's really important to me too, um, because it is, you know, so many people think because, oh, I can't be an actor. I wasn't good enough to be an actor. Or I'm not a great designer that there's no place for them uh, in the world of theater. And that's just not true. Um, it's just not true. Now, most people that end up in those jobs, you know, are people that have started at it from a performance angle or a design angle. Um, but I don't think there's any reason why we can't look at theater education and think, why can't somebody who's interested in finance do theater all through high school, go major in finance, and then go be, you know, the CFO of a major arts organization? Mm -hmm. You know, like, why can't that person get their training in theater you know, and eventually, you know, even though they maybe don't major in theater in college, come back to the arts. I also talk a lot about being a patron of the arts if you don't end up doing theater as your career. Like you need, you know, take this experience and go do community theater when you can. Be sure that you're donating, you know, if you go off and become a cajillionaire, you know, <laughs> throw some money at your local theater, please. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, or, you know, or if you, you know, just, you know, go buy season tickets to your local community theater, like whatever it is, um, you don't have to be an actor or a designer or a technician or whatever to be actively involved in the arts right. um, and to support the arts in a real way. You know, we wouldn't, you know, the truth is, is that I guarantee you, if you went to, you know, any of the touring shows that come through Houston or San Antonio or wherever, and you went in the audience and you ask how many people in the audience were involved in their high school theater or choir, I bet you a lot of hands would go up. Um, and so, you know, the truth is, is we're not just training our future artists and designers. We are um, populating our audiences. And I sometimes think that that gets missed and how important that is. Um, if anything, it may be the most important thing that we do as high school educators. Um, you know, I tell my theater classes that aren't my advanced class, you know, I'm like, my goal is for you when you leave here to want to go and see more theater somewhere else. Um, not just to, you know, I, you know, one of my um, sort of, you know, litmus tests for a show is like, are the students that are gonna come see this, gonna watch this and think, oh my gosh, I'd rather be anywhere else. Um, you know, and so in five years, when their spouse or whoever comes to them is like, hey, I got tickets to this theater thing. You want to go? And they're like, no. <laughs> I saw the most boring production of, you know, Hamlet yeah. in high school. And I want no part of that. Like, I think it's our job to take people that are being forced to go to theater for their class credit and make them think, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, you know, for me, that goes into my show selection. I think about that a lot, um, you know, and, you know, and that, and honestly, because I think of my arts admin background, picking a season is literally like my favorite thing. Um, I spend like, I'm, we finalize our season. I'm doing the trailer right now. We'll release it on Tuesday at our banquet. And then I will immediately start thinking about shows for the next year. Right. Um, it's just, it's just never not in my head. It's just never <laughs> not in my head. Um, it's it's strange. It's like the thing I do to de-stress. I know that sounds nuts. 
but thinking about what shows I'm going to do in the future makes me less stressed about the show that I'm doing now. It drives like <laughs> Jim Kaiser is like, seriously, like you're talking like three years in advance. We have a show opening next week. I'm like, it makes me feel better. He's like, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> but it does for whatever reason. And so I'm always, always looking for scripts at scripts. God knows how many scripts I read a year. Um, trying to pick our season. Uh, but I also think, you know, I, listening to your, to your podcast, you know, a lot of people have talked about, you know, you know, picking the right show for the right kids. And, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think, um, you know, one of the biggest mistakes, and I don't know if you've seen this, but one of the biggest mistakes I think I see uh, people make, uh, and this isn't just in high school theater, this is just in theater in general, is like, um, I want to do this show because I've always wanted to do this show. Like I'm going to do End of the Woods because yeah. I love End of the Woods yeah. with no mind to, do I have a witch? Yeah. <laughs> do I have a baker? Do I have these people? Um, and I think for me, you know, like we did Hello Dolly a couple of years ago um, and um, I had four, you know, I'm not going to pick a musical or pick a show period that I don't have at least two or three of each character. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that it's precast and I'm not saying that somebody can't come in and steal that role because it happens all of the time. Um, but if I don't know that I have everything covered, I'm not doing that show. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it, it also means that you're doing shows that you don't necessarily love, which is the other thing. When you do seven shows a year, you're never going to be able to pick seven shows that just are like, your end all be all, yeah. you know, <laughs> your uh, you're just not, yeah. you know, and especially when you do it, you know, you do it for 10 years at 70 shows. Yeah. There's no way that you're going to love all 70 scripts, you know, yeah. and I'm sure, you know, for you, I'm sure there's a playwright you're not crazy about doing. Yeah. There are yeah. a couple, <laughs> a couple, right. But every once in a while, you got to do that playwright, yeah. right. Hey, I you did know? a high school um, musical a few years ago and uh, <laughs> dreaded every second of it, but it also, <laughs> help drive the rest of the season. Well, and we did, when I was at Dawson, we did Mary Poppins and Tim being Tim, he's going to hate being mentioned in this podcast, by the way. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, uh, we were like, we're going to fly her into the audience. We're going to fly her across the audience. He's going to tap dance on the ceiling. Um, how are we going to pay for that? And uh, he calls, he's like, I, I can think of one way to pay for this. And he was like, we can either keep our dignity or pay for Mary Poppins. And I was yeah. like, what do you mean? He was like, what if we do high school musical? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was like, let's do it. You know, yep. and what's funny is, is I'll be honest, I was a snob because I directed that one. Uh, I was kind of a snob about it. And I was like, oh, high school musical. But what's funny is I had so much fun doing that show. Yeah. It's a, it's it a fun, fun, it's a fun show, yeah. but it's just like, there's not a lot of, um, it's just not deep. <laughs> no, no. But I think what was so much fun about it was how excited the kids were. Oh yeah. You know, like it took like the, like the coolest senior guy was like in it, yeah. you know, and he knew the choreography. It was actually pretty easy to, to do <laughs> yeah. because the kids all knew it. They knew it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, you know, people diss on the high school musical. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, anyone that works at Reagan would like, I, I think they would quit teaching before they did high school yeah. musical. Um, and I was in that camp. 
But then I did it and I didn't hate it so much. And it made a lot of freaking money. Yeah, it makes um, a lot of money. I'm just going to say. Uh, and so, you know, I think sometimes you have to put your ego and your artistic sort of sensibility aside. And I'll, you know, and this is, I'm about to make a very controversial statement on your podcast. I don't want, you know, I hope it doesn't, you know, <laughs> not, not too many stakes, but I don't love doing Shakespeare. Right. Like, gosh, shut the podcast down. I know. <laughs> That's but a- it's like that, for whatever reason, I don't connect with it. Right. Now, do I think it's important? Yes. Do I think it is necessary for actor training? Absolutely. Um, would it, a theater education be complete without studying Shakespeare? No, 100% right. not. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's my favorite thing to do. Right. Um, but I'll tell you right now, um, we're going to do a Shakespeare next year because you're not going to graduate from my program and had not, you know, and haven't done a Shakespeare. Right. Um, now I get accused because we did a show called um, Good Night Desdemona, Good Morning Juliet. Yeah. That has a lot of Shakespeare in it. Um, and my kids are all convinced that we're doing kiss me, Kate next year. We're not, we're doing Anastasia, but anyways. Um, and I think they all think that's my way of getting out of doing a Shakespeare <laughs> because they know, you know, yeah. to the point, that's the reason that Gloria Robinson comes back every summer is to teach Shakespeare. <laughs> you should do Shakespeare oh. in Hollywood. I know. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so like, you know, they think that I always look for these shows that has Shakespeare in it, but doesn't actually require <laughs> me to do Shakespeare. We're doing Shakespeare next year. So yeah. everybody can rest easy. We're going to do some Shakespeare, but you know, is that my favorite thing? No, but it's necessary for the program. Right. Uh, and you know, and I think that, you know, you, you have to look at your kids um, and say, what is going to highlight my kids the best? What can I do? What script can I pick that is going to feature all of their strengths? And, you know, it sounds crazy, but that is truly why we did Titanic. Yeah. Um, we had a inordinate amount of male voices that were really good and female voices that were really good. And pretty much any musical you pick, there's like three girl leads and three male leads. And we just had talent that existed outside of that pool this year. Right. 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 And so when I was looking for a show, I was like, I just can't get behind. Cause like, I would think like, okay, if we pick this show, you know, we slot, say we slot these three particular p- girls into these roles well, that's leaving out this girl, this girl, this girl, and this girl that's worked super hard for three years and won their go at the lead, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, initially the girls were kind of disappointed because they thought, oh, there's no big female lead in this. And there is a lot of male leads in it. Um, but the truth was, is really all it did was sacrifice one girl having a big lead because there's four or five pretty decent sized women's roles where they sing by themselves and whatever. So the truth is, is everybody got to do way more than they would have in any other show. And for the guys too. Um, and so it wasn't just a vanity project to see if we could do it. It truly um, was what was best um, for the kids that we had at that moment. And I'll be honest, like we couldn't do Titanic next year. Yeah. Um, we just wouldn't have the right makeup of kids to do it. Um and so, you know, we, you know, had really looked at some other shows and then Anastasia, the rights came available. Uh, it took me about three phone calls in an afternoon. We decided on it. And I think the rights already bought and paid for. Uh, nice. <laughs> let's, let's shut this down. Because yeah. um, I feel like everybody's going to do Anastasia next yeah. year. And I wanted to be, you know, first on the list. Um, but, you know, and so, but the truth is, is that next year we have more of a typical year. 
right. you know, last year was kind of an exception. And, you know, and when you do have those exceptional years, that's when you do pull out Les Mis or Phantom or one of those insane shows. Well, Paul, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've like talked your ear off. No, like, you, oh my God. no, it's been perfect. It's about you. <laughs> this is about you, not about me. Uh, but no, that was, all of that was amazing. Cause I think what, what really, uh, there, there were nuggets in there that are going to hit home with some people that might be struggling, you know, in our current situation might be yeah. struggling with what am I going to do next year or how do I go yeah. about uh, structuring a season okay. or how, how do I even go about just going back into a classroom next year? You know? Yeah. So. And I think, you know, one of the big debates that I think people go back and like, and this is something that I struggled with at the beginning was like, do I focus on the classroom or do I focus on my shows? Right. Because let's be honest. I think the, the sort of dirty secret of high school theater is that you can't really do both no. at the same time at the top, top level. Right. You can't at certain points you have to choose. Um, and for me, you know, I always think shows first because that's what your community sees. That's what your yeah. audience sees. And sort of once, you know, I did this at Reagan. I'm a, I'm very project based in the classroom, so I can get those shows. But right. now that I've gotten my shows sort of working and in a sort of good spot, you know, now I've brought my focus back to the classroom. Yeah, it goes. You know, along, it goes and, along with the you know band and choir and orchestra. They get to rehearse uh, mm -hmm. during all of their classes. That's not yeah. the luxury. You know, I know you were talking about one act play, but that aside, mm -hmm. it's not the luxury to 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 rehearse an eighty person Titanic yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. every single day in class. So you have to yeah, and, balance. I mean, the yeah. truth is, we might as well teach algebra too. Right, right, exactly. You know, what yeah. I'm saying like we don't get to work on our stuff no. during the day, and I think that um, you know that's something that that really sort of um, they don't, I definitely don't think that I hear like new teachers coming out saying they've really talked about that yeah. um, in high school. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's, you can, I think that's why a lot of new teachers feel completely overwhelmed, mm -hmm. but they're like, how in the world do I do? Cause like for me next year, I'll teach theater one, theater two, theater three, four productions. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll teach all of those classes. So that's what like five preps yeah. plus direct basically five to six shows. Yeah. Um, and it's like, there's not that. And I have two kids, right. like there's only so many hours in the day. Right. Um, and so at a certain point you have to prioritize yeah. and, um, and you have to sort of be okay. Sometimes we're like, you know what, this week we are going to do an in-depth look at singing in the rain. <laughs> well, and, and I, you know, I tell my students straight up, right up front, especially theater one kids that, they're in a theater class to learn about life and every mm -hmm. once in a while they're going to learn something about theater uh, yeah. because we have to manage direct build tech all this you know market we we are mm -hmm. we are running a theater company that happens to be inside the the walls of a school and mm -hmm. I don't want you to feel like you're losing out on an education but I do need you I do need to be honest with you uh yeah. that that I am not going to be the teacher that you love, but I might be the mentor that you love. So, right. uh, and, and you're just gonna have to get over that. And it's tough because, you know, you have your, um, you know, the shows are so important to what you're doing and, you know, and it's the same thing. It's like, I'm very honest with my kids about it. It's like, listen, mm -hmm. you know, class this week is going to be a little light because we open a show next week. 
Um, you know, and that's why I talk about my family and, you know, listen, I'm trying to juggle a show mm -hmm. classes and my kids and my husband and, um, you know, how, um, y'all need to know sort of what is going on. Um, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, but I'm pretty open with my kids. Like one of the things I sort of had in my head to mention, I know we're, we're at the end of our time, but like, you know, I do my best to, to let my kids in on how life works yeah. as an artist. Um, you know, and it's very important to me to be out of the closet to my kids. Um, you know, I don't, I know a lot of people have differing sort of opinions about that. And everybody has a different situation based on their school and their principal and the community that they're yeah. in. And, yeah. you know, and I'm lucky that, that I can do that. Um, but you know, you know, I try to be as real with my kids as I can. Um, so they sort of know what they're getting into. And, you know, and I will say that, um, you know, when, because I am an out teacher, um, and you know, you'd think there'd be more than there are, I think. Um, but you know, we have a huge trans population in our school or in our program. Um, you know, and it, you know, goes back and forth, uh, you know, how many LGBT students that we, that we have at a time. Um, but you know, it's, you know, it, it's just sort of in my teaching philosophy to just be as honest as possible, yeah. whether it's about the budget, whether it's about, you know, my personal life and I'll tell them oh, it's, it's a kind of a joke, but like after a lot of times, you know, I get a babysitter, you know, that's a big deal. Um, you know, I get a babysitter for after a show cause my husband's come to see the show and I, I, the big joke is I like, they'll all be like congregating the dressing rooms, you know, telling stories about the show and I'll scream. I don't care about your memories. I have a date. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a running yeah. joke with us, you know, and it's, it, it's, but I think it is, you know, the more honest you can be with them and, and the more they're going to respect what you're doing and the more that they'll, you know, when you do make a mistake or you do um, have a bad day, I think they're going to be more forgiving because yeah. they understand, you know, you know what you're doing, what your goals are. So, but I'll, you know, stop yapping <laughs> at you. Minor